I love people who are fun to be with. And I can think of no one funner to be with than Abby and Everett DeVries. So I asked them to be my first ever couple guest on People Presence, and they graciously accepted. And I'm so glad to bring you this conversation. Abby and Everett and I have been friends for almost 13 years, and they are just so fun to be with. Now, they are fun, but they are also thoughtful and deep thinkers as well. Abby and Everett have been married now for 12 years. They have four children, two biological and two adopted children. And some of their children have neurological differences. Some of their children have um, endured trauma in their family of origin, things like this. And that has shaped the way Abby and Everett parent. And I am so honored that I've gotten to watch their trajectory as they first were dating and in love and engaged and newlyweds and then having babies and then walking through this journey of becoming foster parents. And I am so encouraged that here they sought out to do good for someone else. And in the process, they were trained and enriched so much in trauma-informed care and parenting that it enriched their own lives and it blessed them. And I just love that. In God's economy, we seek to do good to others. And in the process, God does a good work in us ourselves. So I hope you'll listen today and laugh alongside of us in their early dating years when Everett wasn't so smooth with the pickup lines, okay? He's a fabulous husband. He's a fabulous dad. But those dating pickup lines weren't really maybe his uh, forte, shall we say. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Abby and Everett. And if you're at all curious about fostering or would like to know more, please connect with me over on Instagram, Karen, K-A-R-Y-N dot Hobson, H-O-B-S-O-N. I'm over there on Instagram. You also can send me an old-fashioned email at peoplepresence dot at gmail.com. So either of those ways are a great way to connect. But without further ado, get ready to laugh and think deeply with my dear friends, Abby and Everett DeVries. Hey there, this is People Presence, and I'm your host, Karen Hobson. This is a podcast where I interview a special guest. My hope is that through hearing their stories, you will learn something new. You might grow in your own perspective, and hopefully it'll cause you to reflect on your own life story a little bit more. I believe that every person is a present. So let's listen as we enjoy a conversation and practice the art of being present. Today I have two guests, extra bonus content. Two guests for the price of one. There was no price though. (laughs) Abby and Everett, thanks for being with me today. We're so glad to be here. Yep. So Everett, I got to meet you first. And then I got bonus Abby, because I knew you before you met Abby. How did you meet your lovely wife? Well, in college, we both played on the same worship team. Okay. So when we joined the team was when we met each other. I don't think we had met before that. No. What year were you when Um, this happened? This was the end of our freshman year of college. Um, So she played the cello, and I played the drum, uh, the djembe, and we sat next to each other. For three years, solid. At least yeah. a couple times a week. Was there flirting? Not nope. at all. <laughs> Not until the very end of our senior year. What took you so long? Uh, he was dating other people. Oh. <laughs> for a little while. Okay. And then I wasn't sure whether I liked her or her friend. 
tricky. Yeah. You should decide first. Yep. <laughs> but eventually we figured it out. That's right. Okay. Well, he couldn't always remember which one of us, the names. Like, my friend was Julie and I was Abby, and he couldn't really remember. But y'all names. look different. We do. Very like, much. one of you has blonde just... hair and one of you has brown well, hair. Well, I had trouble remembering for a little while. And then they would mess with me on purpose. Oh. Well, he would, I mean, after after it's been a year and he still doesn't know your name, you just got to mess yeah. with him. Yeah, so. yeah. So he would just like walk in and be like, Cello! Because he couldn't remember my name. He would just call you Cello. Cello. So do you consider that like a pickup line now? No. No. <laughs> do you still call her Cello? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should. Maybe you should come home from work tomorrow and be like, Cello, so See how it works for you. <laughs> Okay, so Abby, when did you first like Everett back? I don't think it was until after he started. It was like senior year, late senior year. He started asking me for like little dinner dates. Just not, the two but, of but you? But not even dates. This was like, let's meet at the cafeteria, just the two of us. And then. Everett, you look confused. Do you remember this? I didn't remember a lot, just the two of us. I thought it was mostly with other people. No, you asked. I did? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, but you guys didn't actually start dating, if I'm remembering correctly, till after you graduated. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, we weren't dating until that fall. Like, right. Like so, like, graduation day, like, the last day when you all are moving yeah. out, like, do you, like, have this moment and, like, goodbye and maybe it will never happen? Like. Yeah, it was weird because at that point we had been having some mm-hmm. one-on-ones. You know, Everett does not remember. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't very memorable one on one. There's been a lot of life between now and then. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but because um, at that point I did like you, and I wish that he was like, oh, let's you know chat over the summer or whatever. And then you saw me um, when we were lining up to do our graduation practice, and you were like, oh, hey, Abby, we should. I don't know. You're like keep in touch this summer or something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember we emailed a lot over the mm-hmm. summer. Do you remember saying that? Vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. So then you graduate. You yeah. went back to Indiana? Oh, no. No. Um, I wasn't in Indiana for a little bit, and then I went to Pennsylvania to... Your job. So yeah. I moved that summer, mm-hmm. and he was working, <laughs> um, so I moved to PA. I was working at a summer camp. So we, we saw each other twice over the summer, I think? Yes. Once when you came to but pick up But did it take work camp. to see each other, or did it just so happen? Yeah, well, we emailed a lot. So we were emailing a lot. Kind of Why like are you we laughing were, at Kind of like we were dating. Well, both times we saw each other over the summer, I was really excited to see her, and she was excited to see me, and then I completely sabotaged it in the moment <laughs> and just mean? ran away. <laughs> were you, like, nervous? Yes. Did you know what you were doing? Okay. Well, in one of them, he was a DJ for a friend's wedding. So busy, like not like, a real time to hang out. Yeah, like yes, but I this made was sure like I was a really busy, really fast. Yeah, this is like <laughs> I was like, oh hi, and he's like hi, and then like ran away. <laughs> okay, so one of the things I want to talk with you guys about is intimacy in like in your marriage, but also like don't worry, it's not going to be X rated. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but like sometimes I hide behind the mask of my children, and you mm-hmm. just hid behind the mask of your busyness of DJness. Like, mm-hmm. what is that in us that like we're sociable, nice people, Everett? But sometimes we're like, okay, that's a little intimate. I'm a little scared. Why mm-hmm. do we do that? Yeah. I do it too, but why? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah, I. When you correspond with somebody for a while, you feel like you have built a bit of a relationship, yeah. but you haven't actually talked to them in person in months. Yes. And then you see them in real life and you're like, what do I say? What do I do? 
and then in there were like all these people around. She, she, you're sitting at a table with a bunch of friends, mm-hmm. and so I was like, felt like I was kind of in the spotlight, yeah, and didn't know what to say, and so I just freaked out. Well, I also yeah. want to say, like, you guys are in your early 20-something then, right? And yeah. it just feels such a fishbowl thing. Like, mm-hmm. in my 30s or 40s now, like, I talk to people, it doesn't matter as much. But in that season of life where you guys were at, like, mm-hmm. everyone is keeping scores of who's talking to who and how long are they talking to each other and was there physical contact and, like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So yeah. I'm glad you share that because my children of the male variety might also feign busyness when there's a girl nearby yeah. that they like. Like, yeah. open that thing up and acknowledge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're nervous. That's what that emotion is called. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's a self protection thing too. I mean, I do that too, right? Where yeah. it's like it's easier to to put your head down and, and be busy than to. Yeah, the worst one I think was when you drove six hours. Yeah, he told me that he was working at a camp. He's like, "Oh, I think your brother would like it." And so my parents like signed my brother up for his camp, and like I drove. Him out to you drove your brother I drove my out. brother okay. out from to Indiana see, to Ohio from Indiana to Ohio to see to work at the summer camp. Well, I was working. He right, but you like your brother to attend the camp. Yeah, yeah, so he would attend, and then I could see Everett. Yeah, and, and we um, had all of fifteen seconds. It was yeah <laughs> six hours for fifteen seconds. That is a bad return on your investment. And and yep. I I think I dropped off and picked up. Mm-hmm. So it was six hours twice. Okay, so then fast <laughs> in a week. Yeah. It was. Oh yeah, that was just. I think it was. I think it was about five and a half hours each way. I think. Yeah. So okay, when you get back in the car after twelve seconds, what are you thinking? I was pretty sad, especially because we. I mean, we had been emailing a lot. And like, we're not talking like you're emailing each other like Like, funny jokes. Like you're kind of bearing your souls to each other. This is how I'm doing, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. And yeah, yeah, like this is what I'm thinking about these kind of like we were kind of it was it was like dating. Really, like via through, email, via email. Okay, um, and then it was kind of, it was it was confusing. <laughs> well, I remember, but I was like, I'm pretty sure he really does like me. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, why would he keep emailing me? But so then, ever that I fall, did. Did. you moved down to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And you started attending a church where we, our family was attending a church, yep. and we became Got friends. Sucked right in. <laughs> Um, you're just so wonderful, Everett. I love you so much. And I just wanted, like, I think my maternal heart, even though there's not that much of an age difference between us, like, you were in this, like, fresh out of college, and I was like, let me love him. Let me take care of him. And it was just such a beautiful thing because you just kind of blended into our family, would come over for dinner all the time. And I remember when you were dating, you were like, I think I like her, but I don't know. And I'm like, tell her you like her. And it's so nerve-wracking it's just I just want to like kind of rewind the clock 13 years like Mm -hmm. it's so Mm nerve-wracking it's I feel so sad for young people (laughs) like you're gonna get through it it's gonna be weird and awkward but you're gonna get there like yeah and I remember you not knowing like does she like me which at that point was kind of dumb in yes, retrospect. It was. it was all obvious. <laughs> it was obvious. <laughs> I remember one conversation we had in the church parking lot, and you were like, I don't know if she likes me or not. I'm like, Everett, when you ask or like email her, she's like, sorry, I'm busy. I have to wash my hair. And you were like, no. I'm like, she likes you then. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Like, she's not giving you the cold shoulder. She likes you. So. Yeah. Have you ever heard the song Mood Rings by Reliant K? No. Would you sing it for us? No. Okay. <laughs> you, should go look it, you should go look it up. Okay. Uh, the lyrics to that song described my understanding or lack thereof of the female mind at that point in my life. Hey, but the weird thing to me is you had sisters. So it's not like you'd never been around women. And he had dated before, too. Yeah, that's true. I don't know that I was 
emotionally aware enough. Okay. Okay. Any of my growing up or early dating years to Figure know what was going on. Yeah, and especially <laughs> when you're when a coping skill is to put your head down, right, and just distract right. and like do something else. Yeah. Like that's right. an easy. I'm the king of disassociation. Okay. What does that mean? Like, I feel like that's like a term you like threw yeah, down, like you know what that means. Just checking out. Oh, okay. I, Compartmentalizing yeah, in so, a way. Something stressful is happening, so I am going to do something completely different. Video games, reading a book. Okay. Just uh, sitting in the corner and not talking to anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super self-aware of you to know that. Well, right? it's taken how many years of marriage to figure that out? And counseling. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of counseling. But it's working. It's good. Okay, yeah. so then enter Abby, and you guys kind of did long distance dating, but not super yeah. long. Well, no, because I was in Harrisburg. Right, so like an hour in, and a half. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. So it was an hour and a half. I drove up 80, I drove up 83 quite a bit. Yes, and then every time I would come down, I'd get to stay with you, which yes. is amazing. It was so great because we had a guest bedroom and it became Abby's room during that stage yes. of our lives. <laughs> and I am so honored that when you were going to propose, you told us about it and everything. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but Abby was going to spend the night at our house after you proposed. And so you and the boys made her a sweet little light bright oh. of an, engage, an engagement oh. ring of a heart. What was it? Was it was an engagement ring. It was a light bright engagement ring. I mean, that's a super special thing it's to have, the light bright cute. engagement ring. Yeah, so, Everett just ran away. To yeah, he back. left. He's getting a picture. Okay. Is he disassociating? No. He's not disassociating. Mm. He's trying um, to find. Okay, he wants to find the picture. And we'll, if you're okay, I'll put yeah. it on the link yeah, yeah. and we'll post Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was so cool. And you and I connected because of music. You're a music teacher. Yes. And I was a music teacher. Well, also, you're so nice. <laughs> like, you were like an instant friend. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, just yeah. because people are music people doesn't mean that they don't necessarily just connect. Yes. Oh my golly day. Okay, I'll show it to all you guys on Instagram or wherever I put this up. But there's a picture of my babies laying on Everett's back putting this light break together. And it's beautiful. And I love every minute of it. So part of the reason I wanted to interview you guys is because so often in life, we are friends with people who look and act and are in the exact same season of life that we are. And part of our Christian faith kind of has us blend a little bit more into other seasons. So was that weird at all for you guys to, like, hang out with older people? Because, like, we were old at the time. We're still old, but... Oh, we loved it. Mm-hmm. Well, not only was it, like, I had a family when I came to visit. Like, like as soon as I would come to see Everett, like, we had you guys. Mm-hmm. We had the kids. We had meals. We had mm-hmm. a place to mm-hmm. sleep. Like, it, that part was great. But also, we had all your wisdom. We had mm-hmm. all your mm-hmm. joys. You could show us what life would look like. It was like kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit mm-hmm. and be like, this is what it looks like. These are the hard things. These are the, the great things. This is what it looks like. We also shamelessly used your family to evaluate each other oh. um, because we both wanted to see what we were like around children. And oh. so babysitting your kids okay. was a yeah. huge benefit to our relationship because we both knew we wanted somebody else who would want to have kids yeah. and, be, and have a family. Yeah. Yeah. And so seeing each other in that context of what it looks like to be running a small family Circus. for a short period of time was <laughs> which, was really helpful. Which now in retrospect, we're like, you know, babysitting them for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, kind of like, like you some people kids. say, you guys did this. Like, you had yeah. a dog before you had kids. Yeah. Some people are like, oh, that'll prepare us. Yeah, and you would be like, no, no. actually, no. no. But I mean, if you want a dog, go ahead. <laughs> um, I also think it's super fun. One of my fond memories of when you would babysit, I don't even know where we went, you made a scavenger hunt in my house with a hose inside the house. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like 
And so, Abby, you saw what he was capable of. Yes. Did it change your opinion? Like, did you think maybe no hose in the house, Everett? Or no, you were like, game on, let's do it. Oh, I'm sure I would pull that back. <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember a squirt bottle. <laughs> and I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't remember the hose. I just think that people should know whether you're in a Christian context or not, like being friends with people in different seasons and stages of life mm-hmm. is mutually beneficial. Yeah. And that doesn't always work in every context, right? There's sometimes you meet someone older or younger and you're like, eh, we didn't really jive, right? It's just yes. like any relationship. But mm-hmm. when it jives, it's beautiful. Yes. And yep. like that intergenerational thing. That's why like so many other cultures I think live multi-generationally mm-hmm. because they see the wisdom of it. Like and now like when we have teenagers and we're like, You wanna to talk to Mr. Everett about that? Like why you asking his opinion? Like, I don't know, just start out, see what he says. Like just in case. Right, right. Yeah. Get another outside viewpoint on it. Yeah. Um yeah. so you guys now are fixing to be married for 12 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Does that make you feel old? Because it makes bit. me feel old. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest a little bit. Yeah. But I'm so thankful that I've gotten to be a part of the whole shebang. And that shebang has included some offspring. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Multiple. Yes. Yep. They're in the other room, uncharacteristically quiet. Thank you, Disney Plus. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure you learned that from us, too. Like, hey, when you want a minute for quiet, yeah, put a video just, on. That's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. So how has parenting changed your couple? Like, as a married people, like, obviously, it's way different now. Like, mm-hmm. what would you say it's like now in your marriage? I think it's really changed it for the better. We're much mm-hmm. more of a team now, I think. I think without kids, he had his work, I had my work, um... We would do things together, but not in the same way. Now we're, like, actually tag-teaming. Yes. The kids had the stomach bug last oh. week, you know, and there is nothing, nothing like... Nothing says love like some vomit. You know everywhere. what? Just, like, if, when you're playing whack-a-mole <laughs> with, with vomit and kids, like, they're, like, they're, we're just a team. We're, yeah. We roll up our sleeves and we work together. I love that seasons of love, too. Like, when you guys were newlyweds or even dating, like, you didn't know the depth of love that you experience now. No. <laughs> like, you thought you loved each other, yeah. but you didn't really know. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I also had no idea how selfish I was. I know. In, 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 even after we got married, there's still so much room for selfishness mm-hmm. that, that I could get away with. Um, and then... Once we had our first child, it became obvious that I really was used to doing things my own way and yeah. had to uh, put, the, put a lot of that aside. And the more our family has grown and the more things we've had to put aside to be to focus on being parents, the more opportunities I've had to realize, oh, yeah, I need to put, I need to take that idol out of my heart as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something I admire about you guys, and I think you do it really well, is that, yes, you're this team together, but you both have your own interests, and you both say, I'll take one for the team, I'll do the home front, so you can go do you. Mm-hmm. How do you guys get there? You did not maybe see mm-hmm. that from us so much, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. I think Everett has always been really good at that. If I say that this is important to me, I think that you're excited to support me in that. Yeah, and, and you've always been really, really good at putting aside anything on my behalf. The challenge has been getting, I think, getting to a point where you're willing to be honest enough about what you need, yes. and I'm willing to be perceptive enough to see that asking for more isn't a good thing. Yes. And I need, to, I need to put a limit on it 
for your well-being. Yeah, because that's something I can do easily. I can go to a place of, sure, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, but I won't actually say what I need. It's called the martyr syndrome, exactly. I think. I don't know if that's like yeah. an official counseling term, but I'll call it that later. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I can get into that really quickly. But if I, and then Everett it doesn't understand, like when he's asking for more things, I'm like, are you killing yeah, me? Right. You know, uh, you know. Yeah, on the, on the flip side, right, if I, I, for a while, I would ask, and I still do sometimes now, I'd ask a question, hey, is it okay if I do X, Y, Z tomorrow night? And you would say, sure. I'd say, okay, sounds good, and go off to do it without actually thinking through, wait a minute, we actually haven't spent any time together for the last three days. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't go mm-hmm. be out with the guys another night here. We should spend some time together because mm-hmm. we're married. Mm-hmm. And again, on the flip side, it's my job to tell him. Like, If right. it's really not okay, I need to say, actually, this is what I need because I, I think I'm being loving by being like, oh, yeah, sure, do whatever. Right. But then the resentment the you know the anger the frustration that I don't have time to do things mm-hmm. then it ends up not being loving at all right you know right. it would have been more loving to be honest I like that you guys also realize you have to keep working at marriage like it's not a it's not a one time like stand up in front of a bunch of people wear a pretty dress say I love you and then we're good mm-hmm. like that is so the beginning of the whole thing yes <laughs> like you laugh Everett because you back at that day and you're like I didn't know anything <laughs> So I thought I knew. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we going into marriage, we thought that we yeah. knew everything, we were prepared for everything, and we were just going to do it the best that anyway's ever done it. Yeah, same thing like <laughs> before having kids, you know? You, yes. Before you have kids, you are going to be the best parent ever. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then you have kids. And you guys have been hurt handed some humble pie like in a oh. lot of different situations you're like <laughs> wow like I can't we remember. have made our own humble pie <laughs> many times too <laughs> right, because you realize like okay I don't actually know this human yes. right this child that has come into yes. my life like I don't know how to do you like I know how to do like a textbook or like a theoretical child <laughs> yes, exactly. but like this child yeah. with yeah. their unique stuff like mm-hmm. I don't know how to do you so. yeah and there's a lot of people and books and podcasts that will tell mm-hmm. you exactly how to parent any given child and they're all wrong to some extent. Yeah. There, there are things that will work, but sometimes you have to find them the hard way. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. And you have to sometimes get to know the, the kid you're parenting, just yes. like we're getting to know like each other as husband and wife, like what works for us mm-hmm. and how we relate will not necessarily work for somebody else who has a different personality. Mm-hmm. Well, and also we are all hopefully changing in and of ourselves. So the kid that you know at seven is not the kid that you know at nine, or it's not the kid that you're going to know at 11 or 12 or whatever the age is. Like, so that's this constant working out of family relationships. Like we're all these moving dynamic forces. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's good to remember. And that's why it's helpful to have friends who have got like our, like our oldest biological kid is eight, (laughs) you know? So we haven't seen, I mean, we've seen change, but not in the same way as you have when you have high schoolers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is different. Yeah, I also think uh, it's been a, a real journey in, in parenting. Um, speaking of humility, <laughs> we, we've had to put aside a lot of our ideas about what our family was going to look like. Yeah. Um, they, they were, our, our children are just not neurotypical. Mm-hmm. And the, the process of realizing, no, it, what, what normal looks like for that family is never going to yes. be normal for our family. Yes. We need to do things differently because of the children that God's given us and, and what they need and what's best for them. And we, we still hit that once in a while, but once we finally came, and Abby helped a lot with this, um, 
once we finally came to say, nope, this is our this is our normal. This is right. the DeVries family normal. It looks different, and we and we we're getting a lot better at communicating that to other mm-hmm. people when mm-hmm. when important. Yeah, it's still hard though. It it feels like mourning. And you know what? I think it does it every season, right? Because you've said that to this set of people. But then Mm -hmm. as your life and stages grow and change, then you have these new people, the Smiths. Well, the Smiths don't know you from Adam. The Smiths don't have any context. And they're like, you know what? My kid does this differently. And that's okay. And we're cool with that. Like, And you guys are both high achieving people, right? So it's all this like social pressure that isn't really spoken, but you know your Mm -hmm. kid's supposed to be quiet in this situation. And you're like, my kid is so not being quiet. And how do I... And it's so interesting, too, because although your children bring you so much pride and joy mm-hmm. and all these things, like, they can shame you like nobody's yes. business. Yes. Like, you're like, just let me crawl into the table and die. Like, does yeah. anyone have to see that? Yeah. And I think that's another piece where selfishness comes into play. Like, I want them to behave yes. in a certain way because I want to look good. Mm-hmm. Or I want, you know, that I don't know. It's so easy for our selfishness yeah. to take over the parenting rather than what is best for the child. Right. right. How am I supposed to really love and discipline? Right. Yeah. I, I think our going in assumptions about what parenting, what good parenting looked like, a lot of it was built on uh, consistency, discipline, <laughs> consistency, um, making sure that the behavior was modified correctly. Mm-hmm. And we'd say we'd say that it was all about their heart and everything else, but mm-hmm. when it came down to it. We, were, behavior we, had a, we had a set of behaviors that we were looking mm-hmm. for from our children, right. and it took a while to realize that not only was that maybe not possible, but it also wasn't healthy for them, mm-hmm. and, and we had to find a different way to love and care for and still discipline them, but but the behavior modification not being the, the goal. goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And specifically for our children, who we have several who are not neurotypical, and we also have some who have had trauma. Mm-hmm. And that changes the way we parent mm. on on both levels. Like, so, like, in marriage and even in dating and even in parenting, what I hear you guys saying is that, like, there's great resources out there. They are good. And I know you guys are avid readers and podcast listeners and you go to conferences and all these different things to learn about these different things. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, at the bottom line, there is not a one-size-fits-all guide. There is not a formula. There is not a how-to book or an owner's manual for raising humans. Yeah. They're all unique and different. Yes. Yes. And, and you don't necessarily need to diagnose your children, mm-hmm. but you do need to understand what your children are like mm-hmm. and then adjust what resources you're looking to to yeah. match up with who your children are. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But if you're looking at neurotypical behavior books and parenting books, like that's not going to help you. That's not what you, that's a mismatch, right? Yep. And right. so. That's not helpful. Yeah. And and the more you research and stuff, you'll find things that contradict. So oh, that's yes, the other thing. It's like it's really frustrating if you have this, it sounds really great, and then in the next book you read it's directly opposite. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like sometimes the more research can be worse. Can be worse. So mm-hmm. it's um it's it's hard sorting through all the stuff, praying mm-hmm. about things. Mm-hmm talking to professionals like, I, it's hard to know but one of, I think I think the thing that broadened our scope the most was foster training when, when we went through the foster parenting classes and got exposed uh, much more mm-hmm. to trauma-informed parenting and discipline um, and and j- we, we just we just developed a much broader set of resources than yeah. we had had before that yeah and especially like the empowered to connect like the mm-hmm. TBRI like trust-based Relational intervention is what mm-hmm. it's called, and that was really helpful for us to understand how to relate to our children who are traumatized, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of jumped ahead. I know the story, but you yeah. guys have two biological children, and then you entered into the foster care system. And how did you guys know that that was the right step for you? Like, I so want to hear that from both of you, because in my context, I hear from women. But mm-hmm. Everett, I'm going to put you on the seat. Like, how did you know that your heart and wallet and all that was involved was big enough to handle this challenge of foster? <laughs> well, I was, I was pretty convinced that God wanted us to have a family that was larger than two kids. Um, we both came from a little bit larger families. And also, we just felt like we had a lot of love mm-hmm. to, to give in that area. Um, after we had our first two biological children, it seemed like more pregnancies wasn't necessarily going to be a good health outcome. Um, Abby didn't love it. I didn't love being pregnant. <laughs> you didn't I love didn't, the delivery thing. Didn't love huh. it. I had two C-sections. It was, I mean, it was all fine, but it wasn't yeah. the and best. And I had always wanted to adopt. Um, did you have that conversation when you were dating even? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we, it wasn't like you. one of you came home from work one day and was like, hey, can no. we adopt you? Like, what are you talking about? No. 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 We went through this book called like 100 Questions You Should Ask when Before You, you Get Engaged. Okay. Um, and, and went through like everything. Okay. <laughs> we had talked about it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but also, I mean, you know, talking to the doctor and realizing that after two C-sections, the risks to a pregnancy go right. up significantly, to, especially for the mother. Um, so, that, so that made it kind of a timely, it was like, well, this is, after two C-sections, is a really good time to start talking about this. Okay. Um, and originally, we had we were actually thinking about private adoption, and we um, took our... I think Eli was eight months. Eight seven months. months. We took I a seven. I remember you guys were talking about this, and I was like, y'all are crazy. Like, yeah, we, these babies are little. Yeah, I took a seven or eight-month-old to the, like, introductory meeting. Yeah, for private so adoption. private adoption. And it was... It was eye-opening. It was really, I mean, it was really awkward because there were a lot of couples in that room that were just oh, desperate for they a were child. Desperate for a kid, and I brought my eight-month-old. I didn't even think, mm-hmm. and I, we didn't understand after after hearing like they seemed like really lovely people, but we found out how many families were waiting per kid. It was like what twenty families? Yeah, some it was thirty a really families crazy waiting per child to be adopted, and then we felt like it was this domestic. This is, yeah, this was like a, okay. a private Christian okay, okay. adoption mm-hmm. agency. Um, anyways, it felt like, we, we felt really awkward. Here we are with our, you know, seven-month-old, plus we have another Baby one at home. home, and there's these people who had no kids, and they were desperate. Like, you mm-hmm. could see mm-hmm. that they wanted to be parents. So it felt like we were, like, stealing, and I'm like, we could have more kids. You know, we didn't want, or the whole point, we wanted to love and yeah. like open up our home to kids who needed it. We right. didn't want to steal. Right, <laughs> or right, like, right. Yeah. We didn't want to button the line. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. It became clear that private adoption wasn't, at least this private adoption route was not a, was not an avenue to find a child that really needed a home and mm-hmm. didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, were, mm-hmm. there were people lined up around the block that wanted to get the child at home. So, Got yeah. it. So maybe God wanted us to do something different. Yeah. So. I think at that time I had been following somebody on Instagram who was a foster mom. Okay. And I had, like, just floated it to Everett, like, hey, what do you think about being, like, foster parents? Like, if we do this, it's not really to grow your family. It's really to hopefully help a family reunify. Like, right. hopefully love on a kid and then send them back home. Is the so goal. that's how you entered into it. Yeah. And and, yeah. and I just, like, floated it to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> But Everett, I'm like, well, should yeah, we think there, about there this? Was a, it, it seemed like a, like a clear fit. That was exactly what God was looking for us to do, was to love a kid that needed to be loved. Right. And whether it was a permanent addition to our family or not didn't seem nearly as important as 
there's actually a need here. You weren't self-protective of your own hearts? Oh, yes. It was really scary. Go- going into it, we were a little worried about that. But I think it was the, I think it was the introductory class where they, where they first said, that's what makes you a good foster parent, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That good foster parents are the ones who are willing to put themselves out there to care deeply about a child mm-hmm. and be willing to suffer hurt because it's so worthwhile to care about the child. Mm-hmm. And that, that was something that I, as soon as I heard it, it made perfect sense. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm ready to sign up for that. Let's do it. Yeah, he, he was all in in like 10 seconds. <laughs> he, but that's also his personality. He like is. if I said to Everett, like, yeah. hey, do you want to go jet skiing tomorrow? Okay, sure. Yes. Like I don't feel like you say no often. Uh, I would say, hold on, let me talk to Abby and look at our calendar. You're so <laughs> awesome. Good yes. save. You might not call her Shell or anymore, but you know how to woo her with the calendar. <laughs> um, okay, so, but Everett, how did you not feel overwhelmed? Like you're working. Are you getting your master's at this point, and or it's done? Uh, no, no, it's. I think I finished my master's with Eli on top of me in a swaddle. Okay. So I, so I probably finished it before we started with Ray. Because I want to kind of yeah. flush this out. Like, so many people think, oh, when I get my life all in order, then I'll do this next thing. Like, but I think it's that along the way, like, it, not in a negative way, but like, y'all are doing life. Like, you're working mm-hmm. full-time. You're yeah. home with two kids under the age of two. Um, when our third came to us, our oldest was three and our second oldest was 18 months. Right. You had a three-year-old and an 18-month-old, and uh-huh. you guys are feeling like there's enough love to go around. Yeah. There's enough sleep to go around. Uh, we, there's we enough all, energy to go around. We also had no idea what our limits were at that point. Yeah. Okay. Um, we had spent the whole time that we were married before we had kids going 90 miles an hour. We were traveling constantly, mm-hmm. um, j- j- going to see family or taking trips here Working and there. Working long hours. Working lo- really long hours. And then... We, when we uh, when we bought our first house, we you know gutted the whole thing and spent six months renovating mm-hmm. it uh, in a really intense way. And it Super looks really in- good. Thank you. By the way. <laughs> Super involved with church too. Like yeah, yeah. Just like kind of giving. So so we involved. just we we started our marriage with no margin, mm. and just it just kept going and kept on adding more and more and more until we couldn't take anymore. Um, yeah. So would you say not that Foster broke you, but that Foster like reshaped you to realize we need margin. Yes. I think the biggest thing is that maybe break is not the right word, but we realized we needed more help mm-hmm. um, to, to deal. Like we realized we weren't dealing with things really well. Mm-hmm. And um, what did that help look like? Counseling. Okay. So it's not like so, I need a cleaning lady or I need DoorDash. Well, door we dash. needed that too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take, we'll take them off. <laughs> yeah. You have help, we'll take it. Thank exactly. You. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was mostly, especially with the, um, the emotional toil of, of having a foster child, of loving and caring for them, and also seeing the brokenness in their family. Mm. Like, it's just a lot. It's a lot to hold. Plus, just having kids. Now, it's just hard. your foster child was your first placement ever. First placement. Which is, like, really weird the way this story goes down because she was your first placement, and now she's in your forever family, yes. adopted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And that usually doesn't happen, right? Yeah, I would say a lot, a lot of our, a lot of people have multiple multiple placements before there's one that's forever. Meaning they foster a kid they for a period, a period of time. They foster a time. The, the child either reunifies or um, goes with family. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so this whole time you're loving this person, you don't know. No. If we knew the outcome, that would change, that would change all the anxiety. 
<laughs> right? Of like of those years, but you don't know the outcome. And with foster care, it's yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's it was supposed to be a week, right? Yes. At the very beginning. And wasn't yeah. it like right? It was right at Christmas because yeah, Everett, right. you got this foster baby, and you couldn't travel out of state lines. Yes. Yeah. So Abby, actually, I, I think we could have if we had requested permission from their parent from, from her, bio bi- her biological parents, and we decided that we wanted to start building a relationship with the biological parents, and we wanted to spend some more time connecting with her, mm-hmm. and so we wanted to um, to keep her in the state, but also get some individual time with her. So we ended up splitting it up, mm-hmm. yeah. which mm-hmm. in retrospect was absolutely crazy to try to drive yeah. halfway across the country. Yeah. With two kids. Yeah, because I took I took the kids to I took the boys to Indiana mm-hmm. and he stayed with our foster daughter and then I came back and he took the boys to Pennsylvania and I and I stayed with our foster daughter. So if daughter. you had to do it again, you wouldn't do it that way? No, uh, I don't think probably so. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Although whoever stayed with the baby felt like it was vacation. Vacation. Right. Because they had <laughs> Even like, though it was a newborn. A one month old. They're like, yeah, yeah this we're is like, a it, it actually like, was a really good way to start bonding with the with her. It was. She got a lot of good attention. And I think she even spent Christmas at your she house. She did. She spent Christmas yeah. with us. I got to have a baby for Christmas. Yes. An unexpected yep. baby. It was yes. delightful. <laughs> she was just and a few a, weeks and old. And a female baby of that yes. variety too. Like that's More girls in amazing. the house. Mm-hmm. We can never have enough. Yep. So... Through this foster process, you ended up getting another child. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So through, it's kind of a crazy story, but through biological visits with Raylan's bio parents, we also met her sister, one of her sisters. Um, And she was 16 at the time when we met her. Um, She ended up leaving her home and living with friends because her home wasn't safe. Mm -hmm. So... This journey was not at all what you guys expected. No. We never expected to have a daughter 13 years younger than us. <laughs> and yes. and to gain one as a senior in high school. Right. You skipped right? over we all skipped. those mm-hmm. like, elementary, middle, high school years with her. Like You didn't get all that. You just entered in. Yes. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing there, for, at least for me, I think, has been uh, giving up a lot of control. There, there's, mm. there's so many things about my younger three children's lives that we have complete control right, over. Right. And I fully expected that as they grow up, I'll be able to slowly, as they show responsibility, Correct. give them mm-hmm. little bits and pieces of control. And to have someone come into our lives that we started with zero control mm-hmm. and we have slowly built trust and built a relationship to the point where we can speak into her life, mm-hmm. um, not in a controlling way, but in a, in a Here's more... Here's my of, two cents. Right, in, in, more of a, in more of a parental wisdom sort of way. Um, but it took a while to build that, mm-hmm. and at no point in time was it the same level of um, kind of directness that I will likely have with my right. younger three children when they get to that age, right? Right. Um, th- there's some there's some situations where, with, with her, we've been um, a lot more reticent to say things, even like, "Hey, could you please clean up your dishes in the sink?" Whereas, uh, you know, by the time my eight year old gets to be 12 or 15, I'm going to be saying, clean up your dishes in the sink. Right. <laughs> we, you just don't start out the relationship that way. Right. And so we've had to build up even to the small boundaries like that. Mm-hmm. And we are building up. That's the neat thing about attachment and about becoming a family is we mm-hmm. are building up mm-hmm. to those things. And we can have conversations now that look very different than they did mm-hmm. many yeah. years ago. Yeah. But that, that's, that's uh, probably the biggest thing we've learned through parenting is uh, the, the biggest parenting thing that we've learned with our children is 
Connection before correction. Yes. You, you have Say to, that again. We should all have t-shirts. <laughs> connection before correction. You, you, you have to establish a relationship with a child and and they have to feel safe mm-hmm. and loved mm-hmm. before you can really address things mm-hmm. and, and, and and provide correct needed correction mm-hmm. and discipline. If if they don't feel safe, they're not going to they're not going to respond well to that and, and take it to heart. Well let me also tell you from the teenage side of it, you guys are probably this. If we don't have that connection, I'm never even going to hear the whole story. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to hear bits and pieces that you want right. to tell me, and I'm going to try to piecemeal this discipline together. Right. And I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But if we have some connection, yeah. you might feel more vulnerable and safe to tell me the whole story mm-hmm. yeah. or more of the story. Yes, yeah. exactly. I think sometimes we feel as parents, at least I did, that it's kind of like dog training. Like the minute something happens, you <laughs> have to you have to be on it right away so they know. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, that's not like kids are smarter than dogs. Right. <laughs> if they're having a rough time or something, you can put a pin in it and be like, "Hey, let me let's circle, circle back. back. Let's circle back tomorrow. Let's talk about this when like people are more calm. When mm-hmm. things, you know." And I, that has been really helpful to know. It's not like this very second when yeah. everybody's angry or has big emotions. Right. We can let it rest for a minute, right. and we can have better, more productive conversations mm-hmm. later. Yeah. It's also been really fun. I've been really enjoying leaning into the role of the awkward dad. <laughs> you know, with all of your children, or oh, mostly just most, our oldest, oldest daughter. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does love the you jokes have lots of, and the I was going to say dad jokes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah and especially the the sorts of comments. You know, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Oh, I, I pick anything. Yeah. If you guys had to do it over again. What wisdom would you give, like, if you were looking at my boys right now as they're getting ready to, like, launch and go out in the world and date and all these kinds of things? Like, how would you say that you would recommend doing it these days? Mm. Should they read the 100 questions before you get engaged or no? Oh, yeah. Okay. That was really helpful. It it opened up a lot of really interesting conversations. I don't feel like we had a lot of surprises because we had talked through so many things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was pretty intense. (laughs) So I don't know. It's not like the fun sort of dating you think of. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But even our our 21-year-old is now at a point where she is starting to evaluate uh, potential interests Romantic interests. Potential romantic interests through much more of a, is this actually a good idea? (laughs) As as opposed to just, is this person attractive? Right. Right. And so so she actually expressed interest in that same book because she's starting to realize, oh, to have this sort of relationship that lasts, you know, Mm -hmm. 12 years, hopefully. Hopefully. It's going. I'm rooting for it. I think we're good. I think we're solid. But to, to really invest yourself in marriage, you have to go in eyes wide open and make sure that you're trying to go the same direction and you want the same things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love that about you guys. Like the, the way that you were trained and raised and all these things, like they instructed who you were, but obviously as you've entered into neurotypical parenting, you guys have added to it. And I feel like some people that I know, like they just take things off the table. Like you guys have kind of blended the old and the new together. Yeah. I feel like it should be a song. I'm not sure which song, but it feels <laughs> like a song coming on. Um, it's hard. I think that's been a hard thing to try to deal with 
um, holding both things. Like yeah. multiple things can be true at the yes. same time. And that's hard. Like it's easy to think that just one way or just one right. thing is. Yeah. One um, trauma counselor we talked about talked about how you can hold multiple things. Like you can have multiple flavors of ice cream in mm-hmm. your ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. And she was talking specifically about like emotions. You can be angry and also love a person at yeah. the same time. And they feel like they're in conflict, but you can hold them. But I've applied that to so many other things, right? Even just with parenting, like, oh, like the more old school style of parenting, the trauma informed, like, what does it look like to have structure and be trauma informed? Like, can we hold both? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and also to relationships. uh, I think when we were younger, we were much more likely to uh, see a disagreement with someone on something and think, oh, I don't think we can have a relationship with that person or that family anymore. And now I think we're much more likely to say, you know, we may disagree on pick topic X, could be parenting, politics, whatever. Um, But we can actually still love and Mm -hmm. respect and have a really really healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. a a caring relationship with with this person or this family. Um, It's not always easy to do that, but, but it's really important because otherwise you just keep on cutting yourself off from people that could have been really good, um, healthy Mm -hmm. friends. Well, I think that's the modern version of like, not the internet echo chamber, but that's like the real life echo chamber, right? If I surround myself with people who look like me, Mm -hmm. who act like me, who participate in the same activities that I do, and I don't have this breath, Mm -hmm. I'm in an echo chamber and I don't really know the world. Um, and just respecting people no matter what, like Mm -hmm. bottom line, respecting humans because they're humans. Like, even if they vote different than me, even if they have a different job than me, whatever it is, like yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you're still a human. Exactly. Yep. One of the things, one of the things I took out of my childhood, there was a bumper sticker that I had on my bunk bed growing up. God loves the whole world, no exceptions. It's a good bumper that was, sticker. That was something I really got from the Mennonite church I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Is that that God's love doesn't discriminating on the basis of anything right and right. the way that we express god's love to other people shouldn't be put in a little box and saved only for certain people mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. for everybody mm-hmm. yeah that's so true what do you guys think is the next season of life for you i don't know mm. we have currently closed our home for adoption. Or for foster, foster. care. Okay. Um, we had kept it open for a while so that we could do respite care, which mm-hmm. is where um, we can like watch short-term foster, right. foster children. Like um, for, for a weekend other, or yeah, a week for, or something exactly. like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that, but um, because we entered a new stage of all, our, all of our kids going to school, I started working again instead of being a stay-at-home mom. Um, we've just entered a different stage. We decided to close down for a little bit, which was really sad. Uh, we didn't realize... And it's you very both felt it. We mm-hmm. both felt it, it it felt like the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing your limits <laughs> is very sad mm-hmm. when you want to do it more. Is. Um and, and it felt like it there's something about like being foster parents that, that it, it's kinda cool. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. we're out there saving the world, you know, we're out uh, there, you know. We're making a we're difference. We're making a difference, even though it's so hard, it feels really heroic. It feels less heroic to be like, We're closing our home so we can focus on right. the four we have. It doesn't right. seem quite as heroic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think that was a hard for me to to come to terms with, even though it's the right thing, right? It's the loving thing. That sounds like an ice cream cone with yes. some multiple flavors on it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. When we first started, we had talked about how fostering was likely to have an impact on our biological children, and we decided that that was okay 
that we that right. we, we wanted to we, we, it was important enough that they have this experience with mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. that it was okay um, opening opening them up for potential some potential hurt but our children's needs we we've been given some kids that really need a lot of love and attention and, and parental focus to be mm-hmm. healthy and at, at some point you have to look at the kids that God's given you right. and say mm-hmm. no that it, it's pretty clear that he wants me to do these things with these children mm-hmm. and not just uh, distract myself or disassociate by right. t- spinning to some new challenge yeah. instead of really do, doing a good job right. parenting the kids that are sitting right in front of me yeah. well and I think new is always fun right Like, if you say, let's do the same thing for the next 18 years, that's not fun. And not that parenting is always the same, but I completely can see why that would be hard for you guys because it feels... It feels like a sense of failure. And like I said, yes. you guys are high achievers. So you feel like, we can take 20 kids. Like, yes. that's who you want to be in your own mind. But that's not reality. Like... Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, like, there's, you know, people can be like, oh, you know, I fostered 50 children. Or, you know, like, there's <laughs> right, right, there's right, people right. who have um, done a lot. And in our first placement, it stayed forever. You know, so mm-hmm. we have fostered one. Mm-hmm. Um, it two mm-hmm. have come to us. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. it's just interesting how that, how that works out. Yeah. But that's that's what we were supposed to do. Right. And and we're hoping maybe eventually we will get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's our goal. I, we just met a really cool couple. Or I just met a really cool couple get, re-getting their license after years. Okay. Um, they had adopted years, 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 years ago, and now they're, their kids are older and they're, they're redoing their license. Mm. So there's some... I don't, maybe not hope, but it's not like this is... It's not forever. This is not forever. Now that I think we're getting a little bit older, we're understanding seasons. Mm-hmm. There are seasons. Mm-hmm. And it, just because it's not now doesn't mean never. Right. right. Yeah. But it, it also, this has given us another opportunity to uh, realize a way that we were defining our identities outside of Christ. Yes. We, 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 yes. Were, we were relying on this as something to give our lives meaning. And it's good. And it does give our lives meaning, but it's not ultimate. And, and setting it to the side has allowed us to realize, oh, we really need to intentionally pursue God uh, with with a renewed vigor because that matters a lot. And yeah. if we lose sight of it, the rest of it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy to get distracted by the shiny new thing or the public thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like being a foster parent, like right. that's public. Whereas you're like, I'm raising these four people I got in this house. Like, yes. not that that's not public, but it mm-hmm. is. There is pride wrapped up in that and yes stuff. it's the feelings mm-hmm. so guys I have one other question for you I have seen bits of the system walking next to you but not all of it if you had a magic wand and you could fix the foster care system in the United States of America what would you do you both can have your own answer because hmm. I just hear it's broken it's it messed is. up I just I hear that but I don't know enough yeah. to know what's wrong mm. and what it's, should be fixed it's very broken but also, the reason it, it exists is because people and families are broken. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's tricky. I I don't think there's a way to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think I if I could wave a magic wand, I would have everybody communicate better. Okay. Um, we felt like a lot of the um, social workers, lawyers, visitation workers, even the magistrates and judges didn't necessarily like we had to work pretty hard to get information to all of them mm-hmm. accurately mm-hmm. and it would be my wish that everything was accurately depicted for everybody so that people can make these judgments 
with with all the pieces right, in mind. Right. Like for fairness for bio parents, for fairness for the child. Um, I yeah, think I, th- that I think I think we felt like we had a great we had, we had a, a not great we had a a good outcome overall. Um, partially because we did a lot of communication. Mm-hmm. And, I don't like the word good outcome. Not a good outcome. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> that it, bothers I, me. I'm proud of you for expressing your feelings. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. No, yeah. not, not, it's, 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 because it, like, the outcome was really broken for her bio yeah, family. No, the, 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 the way the, the, the process, the communication between the various individuals and the information flow, I think, for, in our case, was above average because we put a lot of time and energy into that. And not everyone has the time and energy mm-hmm. to put into it mm-hmm. to make that communication flow. So there's lots of places where things can get dropped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like I think that the outcome you're talking about is like the best thing for our child. child. Like the child happened, right? Yes. Like that she was in a permanent place that she was safe. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's not the best outcome right. for every child, but to to have the best possible outcome out of a really difficult situation, mm-hmm. yeah. you need a lot of communication. Yeah. I think if I had a magic wand, I would wave that I think foster parents need to have a voice. I think you guys need to have a voice in the court system to say, yes, this is what we're capable of, or yes, this is what we think of. And my understanding is that you guys don't really have a voice. Is that correct? No, we're not a party of the case. And I wouldn't want to be. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I really would not okay. want to be part of a case. Because the this is between, like, the bio parents, like, have certain things that they have to do in order to meet, to, to be safe. And... Mm-hmm. I, I don't see how the foster parents have, like, the, the foster parent is allowed to speak in court to the judge or magistrate to, to say how the child's doing. If oh, I thought you were allowed anything. to do that. That's the, what I the mean. Judge, the judge, at, like, it was There's like, do you have anything to say? And, okay. and you, can, you can say that, but... Um, but you, you don't want it, the process to be a tug of war between right. the foster parents and the biological family because the, the, the goal... It, as long as, for, for as long as it's the right thing for the family and the child, reunification is the goal. Biological family, yeah. Biological yeah. reunification, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, like a lot of foster parents, we have more supports than biological family. Right. We don't want to enter as a part of the case and then try to like take these kids away when we have more support. We have more financial mm-hmm. resources. Mm-hmm. We have more, um, there's... It gets really tricky mm-hmm. and sticky very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier, and it was easier for us to have a relationship with the bio mm-hmm. parents because we have no decision making power. Right. Our job is only to care for your child Until with better. as much love as we can and support them. And I think that really helped. They knew, like, we had mm-hmm. absolutely no power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really helped our relationship. Yeah. I think. And, and that's how we ended up getting to know our oldest mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. through that. So Yeah, it's also really, really important when reunification is not going to be the outcome. If parental rights are terminated, um, it, it's really, it, and, and, and this is something that I really respect about the system, is that biological parents have every possible opportunity. Right. There's, there's no, or, or, or there shouldn't be any, uh, anything that was left undone right. that could have enabled them to be able to reunify with their with their child, and that um, it, it was a really painful process and mm-hmm. it took, felt like it took forever. But at the end, we can all say confidently, 
that they tried. this was the right thing mm-hmm. and that and, and there, there weren't any other things left that could have been tried that right. weren't. Yeah. And when I teach foster parent classes, I always talk about like how terminating parental rights is like it was the saddest thing to ever see. Mm-hmm. Like it is not the way that God made it. It's not the way that it's supposed to be that mm-hmm. someone would lose their rights. Like in the eyes of the law, they are no longer their parents. Like mm-hmm. the child gets a new birth certificate mm-hmm. listed with our names. Mm-hmm. Like the other people weren't even in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's so painful mm-hmm. and so broken that like the, 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 I don't know, it's not comforting, but to know that like, they had every chance mm-hmm. again and again. And to us, it seems extra mm-hmm. and, and hard for the child. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where, like, you want to make sure that if it comes down to that, right. they've had every chance. Because there's no going back. There's no, no like, parental rights no, reinstated no. once they're terminated. No, that's, no. Just mm-hmm. like you would have your own biological child. Mm-hmm. That's that's how she is in the eyes of the law yeah. for us now. Yeah. So. I, I, if I can have my magic wand moment real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really fast. Um, well, one, one is just the, the resourcing of the Department of Social Services. They don't have everything they need to do to do their mm-hmm. jobs all the time. Um, they, 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 anything from um, pay, right? If you want, if you, there, there's amazing people and they're doing a really good job and they're working really, really hard. But you need to compensate them for all right. the hard work that they're doing and all the ways that they're going above and beyond, mm-hmm. um, and 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 and, and the re, the resourcing across the board. Um, it, we we are very blessed to have had the means to be able to foster, and that w- that did not have a financial impact mm-hmm. on us that we felt. But there are other people that do. Right. Well, that's that's a decision that they make that can really impact them long term. The, the other one is the the larger way that our country deals with social programs because there's a lot of connections between someone struggling to be able to adequately take care of a child and keep them safe and a bunch of other things Um, whether it's it it can be um, employment it can be education it can be health it can be uh, drug or alcohol addiction Um, there's so many connections between all of Mm -hmm. these things It, it can even just be a, a family history of abuse that mm-hmm. has never been addressed, mm-hmm. and if we don't if we don't take those things seriously in adults, then we can't address the, the right. children's situations, right? Um, and, and even when things happen, and and there needs to be intervention by the system, if if the resources aren't there or people aren't able to take advantage of them for whatever reason, mm-hmm. then they can't turn things around, and right. it's really it's really heartbreaking to see people that don't that aren't really set up for success because they yeah. just they can't they can't do what needs to be done. And I think too, it's easy to be like, oh, well, that person's a, a drug addict; they chose that, or this person's this. Right. But you have to remember that they also were a broken child, right? Right? right. Like they were these delightful. They weren't children. inspiring to become right. a drug addict. That exactly. wasn't their aspiration. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're like just as these lovely foster children that we see the, their parents were a, a child at some point mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. had, they most likely more than anything had trauma, mm-hmm, some sort mm-hmm, of trauma mm-hmm. and um, didn't have the support and, and made bad choices and didn't have support and mm-hmm. didn't have things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it helps us be more compassionate. I think to see 
to see kind of that inner child in these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, social systems should be stronger. But in the meantime, you can just invite someone over for dinner and be a friend to somebody. Yeah. Like, exactly. Because we can't change Washington or your state capital or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yes, we can through the election process, blah, 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 blah. But while we're waiting for that change, like, we can be the ripple change. And I know it sounds like a postcard or whatever, but, like, it's <laughs> Throw really, the starfish back right, on the sea. Right, right. <laughs> it matters to this one. Um, but... That's kind of how our friendship came because, yes. like, I just saw someone, and not that you were hurting and broken, you were fine. You would have been fine without us, Everett. I wouldn't have had nearly as much home cooked meals <laughs> or good wisdom. You or might not wisdom. have realized Abby liked you quite as soon. I know. You might have We might not have been a couple. Yeah, you would have. You would have. He would have figured out. You might just be celebrating your ninth wedding anniversary. <laughs> you might just take a little bit. He would have figured it out. That's true. He would have figured it out. Thank you guys for spending time with me. Oh, thank you so much. It Thanks. was so good to see you. It was a blast. I told you you liked them. I told you they'd make you laugh. They are so much fun to be with. I wish everyone could be Abby and Everett's friends in real life, but that's a pleasure that I get to have. If you are at all curious about fostering, not that I personally have fostered, but I've walked beside Abby and Everett and another dear friend. Um, And if you're at all curious, please connect with me over on Instagram, or you can, again, send me an old-fashioned Gmail email at um, peoplepresence at gmail.com, and I can get you connected with Abby and Everett. Abby mentioned in this episode that she teaches foster classes. Abby is an educator by profession, but she also loves this community so much, even though they're currently not fostering children, that she still loves teaching these classes and just wants to help the system in her own way that she can. It has been a joy to walk beside them in this foster care journey that they've been on and to realize that the system is broken, but there is good in it as well. And that, like so many things in this adult life, it's gray. There's good and there's bad, and it's not in isolation. It's not polarized. It's not one or the other. It's this both issue that we have going on here. So if you have a way to bless or encourage a foster family or to do respite care or to come alongside, I would encourage you to do so. It's been such a blessing to be a part of their life and to watch their story unfold. And hey, maybe there's just someone younger in your life that you want to have over for dinner and nothing about foster care. That's awesome too. I love being friends with people in different seasons of life. It helps me to reflect on where I've come from and where I'm going. And I just think it's such a a gift to have people who don't look like your season of life in your life that you can remind them when they feel overwhelmed that, oh, it's not going to work out and I'm never going to get married and I don't know if she likes me, she's not returning my phone calls, that you can help them to navigate the world a little bit easier. We can't make it perfect for each other, but we can come alongside and encourage and build each other up. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Hey, if you did, would you mind sharing with a friend or leaving me a rating or review or send me an email or um, something on Instagram, leave me a message. This is a fun journey, but I'd also love to hone this podcast to be something that you guys want. What do you want more of? Do you want more couple stories? Do you want more individuals? Do you want a specific theme? Who do y'all want to hear from? Let me know. I'd love to um, give you the kinds of interviews you would like to have. So thanks so much for listening to another episode of People Presence. And remember, every person we meet is a present.